In financial news, today Spotify officially celebrated its 100th dollar shared with artists. Well, if you wanted honesty, you've come to the wrong place. This is the Disinformed Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm John. And I'm Michael. And we welcome you back to another penny-pinching edition. (laughs) Because I assure you, Spotify hasn't shared a blessed cent with us. (laughs) But they made Joe Rogan like a quadrillionaire. Well, and and now they're, you know, telling him he can't have Kanye on his podcast, so... I mean, that's probably for the better anyway. I can't say I blame him. Are they setting up a presidential debate between Yeezy, Biden, and Trump? If yeah, it's only. called Mute Button. <laughs> I think that was the official that? Operation Blame Shift, I think, is what I was referring to earlier. <laughs> oh, <yeah. got> it. <laughs> Did you guys see that they uh, they officially have that on now? That they will, like, the candidates they will, will be muted in between? <sighs> so, that like, would be me, smart. whenever I'm talking. I mean, we'll see if that actually does anything, because just knowing... How uh how Operation Orange operates? Yeah, like he'll <laughs> he'll probably just like jump the podium and run to the open mic, assuming he can run. Uh, maybe, maybe more like a brisk waddle. Oh, he <laughs> runs. He runs the best, John. In case you didn't know, he's, he's the got fastest. the best people. Yeah, he's uh, the fastest he's... at spreading spreading more uh, more cases everywhere he goes. Yeah, he's he's, he's he impervious right to gravity. Uh, he is he's immune. immune to it. He, you know, he he can just move with the greatest of ease. He jumps like a gazelle on fire. So he actually <laughs> invented gazelles. Smart guy. Yes, yes. I mean, yesterday, they're amazed. Yes, the gazelles yeah, yeah. actually think he's one of oh, them. Yeah. <laughs> That's I talked to the gazelles Saturday the other day. Yeah, they said they said I was the the best at not being a gazelle. Gazelle. Yesterday, I had the pleasure of guesting, uh, or guesting, uh, of visiting In Separate Rooms podcast. And before we started rolling, they have some really, I think, uh, smart choices on what they will or won't include in the episode. It's kind of like a, hey, don't talk about this stuff. And we literally, in the course of, what, 30 seconds, fucked everything that they said not to touch mm-hmm. on yesterday. It's like I've been built up and I had to So explode. Fauci in his, uh, latest update on COVID said God is dead. I think I think with that sentence go. and then the previous stuff go. that we've covered all the things that they don't. But talk that being about. said, if you guys are hearing this, thank you for having me on. Um, <laughs> it was a lot of fun, and we hope to have you on this show here uh, in the next few months. That'd be a lot of fun. And we'll tell you that you can't not talk about the things that we were just talking about. You can literally talk about whatever <laughs> you want. I will not throw anybody into free speech jail unless it's Shane. <laughs> yeah um i do have enough bail to get out continually though which is the nice thing i don't know how i keep are you referring to michael's editing skills because uh turns out that that wasn't as clever as we thought it was back in the day because everyone's like we know that you said something in sydney it's mm-hmm. like yeah it's the point we're just we're just not gonna have it uncensored like yeah <laughs> so I, like I, I want him to know i want everyone to know that he's using you know saying bad words but I don't Not want you to know word. what it is. Yeah. So, 
Um, if Richard Nixon had a podcast, it would be this one. It's called The Secret Tapes, apparently. And it's, uh, <laughs> Redacted. <laughs> Redacto. Reducto. Yes. Just, the next time you say a, a, a bad word that I have to censor, I'm, I'm just going to say redacted over it. That's that'll, that'll be it. As opposed to uh, sniff or snort. What or was the dog barking or, you know, all the other things that I've used to censor. Yeah. No. What was uh, when you were snorting in the last week's episode and you edited it by having, I assume, your girlfriend say sniff or snort or something? Uh, No, I don't think I. Oh, did I really censor that out? No, I think yes, I just muted you did. it. No, you, you had a woman say snort or sniff. I did not have anyone Michael, did you not listen that. to your own, uh, my friend? Then you need to go back and listen I, to our I episode. I snort a lot of cocaine before I edit those podcasts, so everything is a blur. I don't remember editing yeah, any well, of them. Oh my God, yeah, my friend. Yeah, uh, I, for those of you who actually listen to our podcast, because <laughs> the two of us <laughs> who are on my side here, who actually go back and know what is said on here. One, yes, I appreciate you backing me up on the fact that I am not the most outrageous individual on this show. <laughs> it's appreciated. Yes. I'm giving the presidential thumb up to the camera right now, which none of you Worth can $20. see. Uh, and furthermore, <laughs> also that Michael does not remember the stuff that he does or does not edit onto this show does not shock me. And I <laughs> right. sincerely doubt it shocks any of you listening presently. <laughs> Everything's Beautiful. a blur. Where am I? What year is it? Well, Michael, you're looking, you're looking more, uh, Stupid with it. <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. That's that's uh, pretty hard to do, considering I already look pretty Neanderthalish. So I don't know if that's a word, but we're gonna go ahead and barrel through that. Yeah, um, I was gonna say you look more at ease, like you finally relaxed in after like getting back from your trip, feeling good. Oh. You got you got some. Oh, uh, you got a cough. You got some some phlegm in there. Uh, no, no, I, I'm still self isolating. Um, no, no, I um. Before I left campus, there was a place that I stopped at because I stopped at it for lunch. Um, they sell, they have beers for $3. And so I was like, oh, I'll stop on the way here. So I'm a little bit more relaxed, air quotes, uh, than I usually am. So got it. Well, I was thinking because last week, uh, you had congestion and it was very like, I listened back to the majority of the episode and you sounded congested. And the cynic I in tried. me was like, I don't know if I'm going to hear from Michael next week. I tried so hard to try and like stifle that, but uh, yeah, no, I was definitely congested. Uh, that's just normal. <laughs> Shane is I losing swear. his fucking I'm mind. Again. I'm immune to the allergies. I, I that's just just me. My nose decided to take a vacation. You I like are you, really fixed. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. You snorting nasal spray on the show <laughs> is somehow called you trying not to do it. <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, no, uh, I was getting ready to edit afterwards, so I snorted oh, some God. coke, you know, so. God. <sighs> are you the guy well, that he sent to kill you because God forgot to? <laughs> if only. Uh, speaking of death. It's going to be incredibly topical for this week because we are going to be discussing Deathbed, ah! the bed that eats. But for those of you who are not familiar with our general setup here, what we will typically do is we discuss a sort of random or esoteric topic, and in the course of explaining it to one another, we will leaven in the occasional lie, and that is the point of the entire podcast, is for us to then force one another to figure out which is fact, 
which is fiction, and which is posse. Posse. Stew. Interloper. Uh, but uh, we elected for this very month to make it a uh, spooktacular, a spoopy month, if you will. <laughs> so we're doing all horror-themed or uh, Halloween-y. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I can get down. Like on. It is it is a porn subheading, Halloweeny, uh, and so this is going to be the penultimate of our spooky episodes, and we are going to mm-hmm. discuss Deathbed, the bed that eats. I'm not sure whether or not you were actually trying to transition me there, John, uh, but uh, it mm. happened organically. No, I I know what you identify as, so I wasn't going to try yes. and force anything on you. RuPaul um, and I have been sharing fashion tips for years. As <laughs> well, I'm afraid of organic. I no, don't, I was, was going to do more of the, uh, the not housekeeping, but we've been really good this month so far about, like, keeping tabs on what we've been watching, reading, playing, and you responded to something that I shared on my socials, and I've been really <laughs> excited to talk to you about it, and I've saved I'm it. sure. I've saved Wait. it for, for now. Are you are you talking about the picture that you sent to the chat where it was a picture of Stephen King's nipple, and you said uh, Stephen King's tit? No, but that's oh. also good. You should you should throw that in the uh we should put that on the the gram. Oh yeah, no, um, I'm, I'm gonna I'm, make oh, in your honor. Shirt. I'm wearing the shirt. That's amazing. <laughs> Stephen that's, King's no. t- How did you get the picture that he posted that we will link in the show notes uh onto a shirt so quickly? As John just mentioned, uh I'm a transcriptionist. So Yeah. Truly. Bless you? I, so, I suppose. I watched a sequel. Uh, uh, if you want to call it that, uh, I, I would so, d- d- heartily debate this. So I watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. And let me tell you that the first 30 minutes of that movie, I was smiling ear to ear. I was so excited. And the setup, I was like, oh, my God, like, is this the most slept on sequel of all time? Were you I was like, honestly? I really got into it for a second. I was like, I mean... It's kind of wackadoo, but it, but I realized that it was the same director and writer from the first one. So I was like, well, honestly, like uh, he probably knows exactly what he wants to do. Like it was released almost ten years after the fact, and it had tr- quadrupled the budget. Um, <sighs> so I got really, really, really excited. The sequence on the bridge where <laughs> uh, doesn't matter. We're not going to go into like huge <sighs> specifics of the movie. Um, but then, like thirty minutes in, like a fumble narratively happens. I was like. Oh, well, I mean, you know, no horror movies ever perfect. You know, there's always, there's always things that go awry. Um, and then 30 seconds later, another thing I was like, Oh, that was a little rough. That was, uh, yeah. And just mm-hmm. fucking nosedives till it climaxes in probably one of the most like Beverly Hillbilly <laughs> chainsaw. There's literally a chainsaw duel. Yes. Uh, to culminate what? the movie. Meanwhile, some guy. Uh, what's his fucking, he's the head of the Sawyer family. He gets his ass hit by the chainsaw, like literally his ass. And he's underneath the dining room table, like in this fucking cave. And he's like, Oh, he popped the, popped the hemorrhoids. He popped the hemis. Oh, that was pretty bad. And then he yep. reaches his hand back to his ass and puts it back into view. And there's blood on his hand. He goes, Oh, that's not good. Yeah, dude, I'm telling you. What? Um, so it's important to give you some context, Michael, since, uh, John has, John, how, how recently has it been that you have seen the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre or have you ever? I watched the original Texas Chainsaw two months ago, which is why I got excited when I saw the sequel on Amazon. All right. Uh, okay. Well, that would be where the excitement happened then. Okay. I was given, 
um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 to watch by my boss um, from, you know, my prior job, who's also a horror fanatic. And uh, she what could context? not. Uh, it, what do you mean? Like, in what context? Like, oh, you got to fucking see this movie or hey, this is yes. so fucking bad. She said because it. I had raved about how much I really appreciated the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And in the context, she said, you're going to love the sequel. Now, uh, for what we were just talking about, John, yes, it is directed by the gentleman who directed the first uh, film. And Toby that gentleman, Hooper? Toby Hooper, who also directed Poltergeist and, and a slew I of other interesting films. Yeah. That, yeah. That's still on my list because of you guys. I need to see Poltergeist this week. Yes. Um, well, you'll notice uh, that uh, Poltergeist is much more of the Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> 2 Toby Hooper than Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1. Uh, Kim, oh, Kip Hinkle really? is the other writer. And I feel like he is the one who mostly tailored the script uh, versus because, uh, yeah, it is a dramatic left turn. Whereas, you know, the characters are very loosey-goosey wonky in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But they yeah. do at least treat the, you know, the massacres as they are ongoing with a little more gravity and it's suspenseful. Whereas <laughs> he doesn't have Leatherface popping up out of a dead body that he has basically just like duct taped to the front of him so he can hold the chainsaw so, in front of it and brandish it through the top of a car in the opening sequence of the I will movie. Say, I loved that so much because it took uh, me a second to get it i was like what the fuck is going on? oh it's gonna be one of those also they just i guess we kind of got to just dissect it just a little bit here okay so it wasn't until after i finished watching the movie or i was like what felt off aside from the whole thing and it said <laughs> that no character has any development whatsoever and no yes. motivation to do anything so they have the dude who um the I guess it's they Dennis call him Hopper. The, the, yeah, the, yes. the quote-unquote protagonist of the movie is just mm-hmm. he is <laughs> a, a fucking cowboy. They say remember the Alamo in that movie like 20 fucking times. <laughs> He's a Texas uh, Ranger who is trying to track down, the, you know, the sort of cannibalistic family. And, th- Michael, this is the... Uh, the elevator pitch is he's trying to track down the family from the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre as they go around the great state of Texas taking part in chili cook-off competitions. It's a food truck movie. <laughs> oh, legitimately, it's a... I, no, really? There's yes. a sequence where the, the head of the Sawyer family is behind the wheel of their food truck after winning a chili competition. And in the... Like, when they win the chili competition, the, the host is eats a spoonful of it and takes a fucking human uh, toenail out of her mouth, like a whole nail. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, those corn cob or all oh, those rough pieces of corn and, or whatever. And like takes it out of her hand and throws it away. Um, well, yeah. I read an article that he made it intentionally to be uh, like a satirical black comedy. Yes. Uh, because he feels that everybody missed the point of the original texas chainsaw and that the original texas chainsaw was supposed to be pair or not parody was supposed to be satirical Mm -hmm. which i mean and to a point it is but when you have one of the you know the monster lifting a woman and throwing her onto a meat hook on the wall and showing it 
It's particularly in the 70s, like you're going to shock and, you know, terrify all the audiences that go to see it. But yeah, I like it in retrospect. If I knew going in that it was a B horror that does not take itself seriously, I would have watched it yes. in a m- dramatically different mental state. But yeah, Dennis Hopper is sense. guano balls by the end of that movie. He is so completely yeah. out of touch with the mothership that you just can't. There's, there's no, no point in it. Yeah. They don't explain it. They don't give him any motivation on why all of a sudden, uh, you know, the final straw breaks. I will say, and then I'll, and I'll leave it at, at this. There are two moments in the movie, um, that I think sold it for me. Okay. In good and bad ways. So the, the good sell is the monologue that Chop Top does in the radio station. Oh, right. Where he's it? wearing a wig and he's, talking to the the heroine Uh of the movie and it is authentically very creepy and funny at the same time right the setup of that scene is really really well done and i i can't deny it and and also for those who appreciate the rob zombie oeuvre it is uh i'm forgetting the actor's name uh bill mosley who is yeah. in House of a Thousand Corpses? Papa Firefly is that who he is, or he's uh... um no uh he's but yes he's forever. one of the the Firefly family essentially and uh, but he plays Chop Top who to for further context the thing I remember about that scene is that he has a wire a clothes a hanger. hanger that yep. he is then lighting on fire with a Bic lighter and then scraping off pieces of his own scalp because he has a metal plate in his but head. But you don't you. You don't know he has the plate because he's wearing a wig. So it just looks like he's lighting it on fire, scratching his scalp, and then eating whatever comes off of the thing. And then when his scalp or when his uh, wig gets knocked off by Leatherface, you see that he has the metal plating. And what he's really doing is he is is compulsive. Like he's yes. removing skin from the plate underneath his head because he's a nom vet. And that's why and he has a metal plate yes. in his head. And he's eating it. Because that's what you do when you're a cannibal. Yeah, he's he's picking scabs and he's eating it. Um, Now, so that actually sold me in favor of the movie. And what was a permanent mark on me just, I literally, it is the last scene. It's Mm. It's the last frame. And it is an homage to the ending of the first movie, except they have the heroine after, you know, spoilers, guys, she lives, um, after defeating Chop Top uh, on top of a mountain. Uh, is she dancing? <laughs> she does. She has a chainsaw in her hand, and she does a yes! very, very poorly. Uh, like, you can tell they're like, hey, look at the original. Okay, see how he's doing that thing? So now, she's, we're yeah. only going to give you one take, because we ran out of time. Just try. <laughs> <laughs> And she's also I, dramatically different, like body type. She's not Gunnar Hansen at all, so she can't wield it very easily. Whereas he can one handedly whip I, the thing around. Okay, I can appreciate Guys, I fucking, that. I fucking lost my mind. Oh. My dogs were looking at me in a completely new way because I was cackling so loud to myself, and I literally said out loud, and not like when I saw Lars Mincher. I was like, "What the." F- fuck did i watch that was an hour and 40 <laughs> minutes yep yeah that was my exact same reaction i have not watched it since uh i was not ready for it i may be ready for it now but i showed melissa the opening sequence uh funnily enough because i was talking about it um probably two weeks ago for talking about like oh. the dramatic left turn from the first film which the opening sequence is terrifying where they yeah. have the, you know, the, that glorious sound effect of the Polaroid sort of being taken and yes, and showing the dead bodies. 
compared to the opening sequence of this, where the heroine of the film, who is a radio DJ, is getting called by two of the, like, most typical frat boy dumb fucks who are shooting guns out of the window at all of the traffic, like, highway signs, and are calling her on a cell phone and refuse to hang up, and so they won't free up the line for the radio station, and they're just going, and shooting guns. And this is the first 10 minutes of that film. Oh, it's beautiful. Darn it, it sold me. Oh, God. It's it so fucking good. horrible. <sighs> well, now, that was a... Now, redemption time. If you both are looking for a fun, campy, toe-in-the-water of, of B-horror, uh, on Shudder, they just released... It's called The Mortuary Collection, and it's a horror anthology film. And Ooh. it is actually a lot of fun. It's very predictable. Mm. It's very popcorny, but it's it's not Texas Chainsaw Two. It's it was I honestly I wish I hadn't had things going on throughout the day so I could have watched it in one sitting. Which you guys may remember I don't really watch things in one sitting that often mm-hmm. anymore. But um, no, it was so much fun. I just wanted to do a uh, you know bad to good kind of thing yes. there. Well, and it's so also what you, on. Uh, what are you watching? It's on brand for what we're going to be talking about later, which I assure you is much worse. Oh, so, um, yeah, Dewan so hit excited. me up. Dewan was like, I want to be on Deathbed. And I was like, you know Deathbed? I was like, that's why you want to get involved on this episode? And he goes, no, I just want to be on. <laughs> I don't blame <laughs> well, him. Why didn't you say something? We could have had him on. I've had a fucking week. I'm still like, I think I'm officially out of the woods and into a new sleep schedule. But I have been so disconnected. Mm-hmm. Michael, the stop viewers to can't see this, tiny, but I'm, I'm, I'm playing. Yeah, no, no, I'm playing the world's smallest violin. Peter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Shane, what did you see this week? Uh, I just watched it, chapter one and chapter two yesterday. Mm, good, First good. time or no? I fucking hate you with the passion of a thousand suns. Uh, and I'm also double dipping because I had uh, read the Hellbound Heart again to help me inch towards my goal of, uh, you know, reading 60 books this year on Goodreads, which I managed now. And so the rest nice. of the year is just cream on the top. Uh, and I've been listening to the Magnus Archives. So I am going multimedia right now with everything that I am checking out. Sweet. I also watched Sinister 2. That which was dog shit. I assure you, the only redeeming thing is I'm, I'm going, okay, well, Deputy So-and-so is back, who I had forgotten that he's, you know, I, I, I didn't recognize him in It Chapter 2. So by the time I flashed forward to it, was like, oh, my dear God, it's Ed's. <laughs> Like, I, it completely, oh. I, I totally spaced on the huh. fact that, yeah, Deputy So-and-So is in It Chapter 2, which just blew my mind once I saw it. But yes, that movie is abysmally bad to the point that I was actually doing, like, um flash forward through any sequence that had any of the kids talking in it, which oh, uh, yeah, anyone who's seen it, you know, that's about 60% of that movie. So I completed it in record time because I had no time for the dialogue. I was like, Let's, let me see how bad this gets. And it, it got it pretty horrible. It was not good. Now, we, I almost started doing it, but I, I'm trying to wait for Becky. But again, we're now officially on very, very different schedules. But yes. I wanted to watch uh, the first two Insidious movies back to back. 
Okay. And I was letting her know that you and I had talked about Insidious on a podcast before, but um, um, because Sinister was, and yes, we did touch on Insidious lightly. We did because of the uh, and it was her, her bringing this up is what prompted me to remember. Ah, she's okay. Like, I, I, if I, she's like, if I remember it, she's like, I really liked most of it, but for some reason, I think I didn't like the ending. And I was like, that sounds about right. But if you haven't seen part two, part two is actually a lot of fun because it picks up right where part one leaves off. Yes. And it expands greatly on all of the lore. I think by three is where it falls off and then it comes back with part four to be very, very enjoyable. Uh, I saw three in the theater. And I went late, apparently, and so I had to sit in the front row of one of oh, the God. theaters, like one of the smaller theaters, so I was vertically looking up at it the entire time. Uh, I liked some of the scares, uh, and the, the character was interesting enough uh, as far as visually, but yeah, the story was pretty abysmal comparatively. Yeah. Anywho, Michael, what didn't you watch this week? I actually watched a couple things. I watched <gasps> all but the last episode of The Haunting of Blind Manor. Nice. No spoilies, how is it? Really good. It's definitely, I feel like they could have shrank it a little bit. There's a little bit of filler there, but on the whole, very, very comparable to Haunting of Hill House. Nice. Okay. I really, really enjoy it. And I'm probably about halfway through uh, Call of Cthulhu. Uh, yeah, the video I've been seeing game. you uh, seeing you pop up on my PlayStation feed every single morning or actually mm-hmm. early afternoon. Fuck it, late afternoon. I see all of your pop ups. <laughs> yep, he so, stalks you all day, Michael. That's basically uh, that, who he's that's, telling that's you. fair. Someone's gotta. I um, want you. Also, very you. good game, um, Shane. I would definitely recommend keeping an eye on it to grab it when it's on sale. Okay, because. It's- I don't know how much it is normally, but I would say it's definitely worth a grab when it's on sale. All over. Um, Speaking of sales, Michael, uh, since we're all PlayStation users, they're running a Mm -hmm. Halloween sale right now. And I snagged uh, the Alien Isolation Collection (gasps) for $8. Nice. Okay. Um, so and also gonna do that. <laughs> finally, finally, Doom Eternal went back on sale for fifty percent off. So I snagged Doom because Eternal because of the for new DLC. Bucks. Yeah. So just just a heads up to you and to the listeners, if you are nerds like us, it goes through November third. Nice. Okay. Well, I'll definitely grab the uh, Alien Ice um, Isolation. Yes. yes. Yeah. If you haven't um, played it, I did very I have well. Not, it. It's totally worth it, especially for eight fucking dollars. Yeah. 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 The thing I really so. love about that game as well is that it is not one of those it, – it kind of challenges you in the same way that Hitman does is you can't just blast your way through it. You do not have weaponry that is going to work. And even if you do have a flamethrower, which is fairly effective, it's only just a, a slight means to an end and you will run out very quickly. So you really have to be mindful of every step that you take in that game and it is incredibly unnerving. Very much yeah. so. So if you do like video games like that, that's that's the main reason why I recommend the Amnesia series or or Outlast one okay. and two, the cerebral stuff. Exactly in the same vein, you do not have any means to protect yourself. You can't just run in guns blazing because you have no guns. Yeah. Um. I will get back to you guys about the new Amnesia that came out. I think it released uh as of recording two days yep. ago. Um. So I will get back to you guys next week um about how that is because i am planning on finishing the haunting of blind manor and then um making my girlfriend sit through me playing amnesia late at night so i can terrify myself oh good making your girlfriend come for like the first time nope that's it hasn't happened yet it's not gonna happen 
Ever. That's what you get for your second year anniversary. Is or- your first orgasm in two years. <laughs> That's when we buy the Hitachi. <laughs> I think the second anniversary is something blue. And then it's like after, I think it's the fifth yeah. anniversary, it's like something new. Or something yeah, blown, yeah, yeah. Uh, either way. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, well, speaking of things that need to be filleted until they collapse, deathbed. Yeah, let's get to the topic. Uh, yes, something we're going to need to get into, because otherwise we're going to be here until two in the morning. Yeah. Hello? Huh? This is not a very long segment here, but appropriate since we were giving a, a bunch of background about films previously and our opinions of them. Uh, I, this one's going to give you a, a general synopsis, but the, I want to tell you up front, there are five lies. In the course of the presentation, John will be making oh, his goodness. notes now. Do you hear this? Uh, Michael's going to hold five hand, five fingers up on his hand at all times, just so he remembers. Oh, what happened okay. To your fingers? Okay, there's five. <laughs> so one goes in my <laughs> butt, and two go so in I my have mouth. Five fingers. M O O N. That spells amputee. <laughs> so here we are. Are you gentlemen ready? Oh, I know. You gander? Gander the elf. Oh well, if it's good for the goosing, <laughs> it has been called the worst movie that was never seen. In 19- False. No, it has been. <laughs> oh, I assure you. But I appreciate the energy. I, it's on par for the course. I always got to call bullshit within like five seconds of you starting to talk. Yes. So. Smash yes. that like button. <laughs> <laughs> Smash my dignity. So, uh, in late. 1973, a young filmmaker by the name of George Barry attempted to create a surrealist horror film with an insidious twist. It would anthropomorphize an item existing nearly in every home worldwide. Barry aimed to terrify audiences every night as they nestled themselves down to sleep, giving audiences nightmares before their heads even had a chance to hit the pillow. He made Deathbed. With that said, he soon found out that making a film and selling a film are two dramatically different propositions. The plot of the film centers around the titular antagonist as it is passed on through generations, bringing tragedy upon those who come across it. Pun intended. Uh, the film <laughs> tells a tale <laughs> from a bygone era wherein yeah. a demon <laughs> who made John spit out his beer. Uh, <laughs> the demon is described as a demon who resides in a tree who, on a whim, changed himself into a breeze. I shit you not. That is not bullshit. This is part of the dialogue. Is It explains so that this... Yeah. That. Okay. Tree demon. Um, I, I figure I'll make it a little easier on you, because this is so absurdist, like, you're going to be swinging every ten seconds. Uh, so, okay, fair uh, enough. It fell in love with a mortal woman, and so it conjured up a bed on which to make love to her. I'd watch it. Tragically... The woman died during the act, and uh, in his grief, fair. the demon wept tears of blood, which fell onto the bed, causing it to come to life. No, no, no. He did not cry tears of blood, did he? Tried. Yes, it cried tears of blood. Oh, and this dang is, it, Ebony. I was going to say, is, is it written by the same person? <laughs> you would think. <laughs> is it her, her, is like her dad or her, her uncle? You'd this. think. Uh, Michael, uh, I do have to thank you as well, because uh, your bullshit helped me to reach my Goodreads uh, quota this year as well, because they do have my immortal on Goodreads. It no has way. over 4, 
thousand different um, approvals on there. So there Whoa. are plenty of people who appreciate it, and I'm half tempted to go on and be like, hey, we have a a, a really piss-poor full-cast audiobook of this for those who want to explore it. Sadly, it wasn't on air, but uh, I, I was telling the Inseparate Room boys about My Immortal, because I was telling them oh. I was telling them how long we roll uh, when we record, mm-hmm. especially if we have a fanfic in the in the mix. Um, right. And he was like, you did fucking what? You guys <laughs> spent how much time? He goes, my girlfriend loves anything fanfic or Harry Potter related. I was like, well... You can tell her to go to our band camp. It's painful, but it's fun. It is. And that applies to you as well. Mm, chilling. <laughs> so if you I'll haven't chill. caught it yet, yeah, please go to our band <laughs> camp. Get it. It's free for nothing, which is, uh, you know, we're giving it too much credit by not charging anything. <laughs> you should actually, you know, we should pay you to listen to it, technically. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, all right. So back into this bullshit. So tragically, of course, the woman died. And uh, so when... Uh, when the demon rests, which is once every 10 years, the bed's evil is contained. But when the demon awakes, the bed possesses the power to physically consume human beings. Only one man, an artist identified as Aubrey Beardsley, was spared. As the bed condemned him to immortality behind a painting trapped in the room that it is found in, where he must forever witness the bed taking victims. The bed passes then subsequently from owner to owner until the present day, which, of course, 73. Uh, I will also indicate that um, Barry indicated he wanted to make a fantasy film. And it's an, it took on these ominous overtones as he was making it. But it feels like a bad 70s Disney film. Tight. <laughs> and you'll understand what I mean when I show you the opening sequences of the film. But... So in any event, oh goodness, Barry was born in 1949 and raised in Royal Oak, Michigan, uh, just down the street from John, a, oh, yeah. a suburb yeah, of know. Detroit, where he lives today. He began making films while studying at university, and in 1972, after working on a few black and white 16 millimeter shorts, he decided to go for broke with a color 16 millimeter feature film to be blown up for theatrical release. Using $15,000 of his own money, he began filming Deathbed, a project that would eventually span five years and cost around $30,000. Bullshit didn't cost $30,000. Very... Cost $30,000. Okay. I believe that. Uh, it, the five years? I've... No. Yeah. Oh, okay. Five years as well. Okay. Trust I me. I feel when like you get... it would take longer. This is fucked up. This is yeah. going to be impossible. It is going to yeah. be difficult, I know. We probably already missed a couple of lies here. Uh, you've missed one. Oh, okay, that's better oh, than I thought. Okay. Yeah, so, not yeah. bad. <laughs> uh, Barry decided to weave a story about a dream that he'd had about an engulfing, possibly carnivorous bed. Uh, with cameraman Robert Fresco, he headed for the uh, Garwood Mansion outside of Detroit, commencing the shoot in late spring of 72. Uh... The core of the film was shot over three weeks over the spring and summer and then assembled during 76 by an experienced Detroit TV editor, Ron Medico or Medico. Uh, Deathbed's 16 millimeter answer print was finally struck in 1977. Uh, unfortunately, Barry's problems were only just beginning. Over the next few years, he traveled to L.A. and New York several times, making the rounds of the small distributors. If this sounds very similar to talk that we had about uh, our good friends over at Bloodlube. Uh, yes, John, um, you were saying. You said 77. Is that right? Because I thought you said that it came yes. out in 73. Mm-hmm. 
No, he, he said finished. it was set. Oh, okay. In, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they they essentially filmed through the end of 73, got it, got but they got finally it. got the print rendered in 77. So got you can imagine okay. that's the five-year yeah. project here. I believe it. Uh, so uh, over the next few years, he traveled to L.A. and uh, New York several times, making the rounds of small distributors. But with slasher films on the rise, Deathbed was always going to be a hard sell. Those who did show interest were put off by the blown-up costs and were offering virtually no return. The uh, next convolution in the Deathbed Saga would lead to the film at least reaching a few devoted fans, although it all came as a great surprise to Barry himself. In the early 80s, uh, he sent the answer print, which was still without credits at the time, to a small L.A. company interested in obtaining the video rights. He was offered $1,000 for a finished video master on the film that he spent Oof. bloody, you know, 30, three grand on. Plus. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, but Barry was Ouch. chronically short of cash and unable to shoot the missing credit sequence, and so time passed and the answer print was eventually returned. What he did not know was the interested party had unscrupulously pirated a copy of the film before sending it back, sneaking it out onto Ooh. tape in Great Britain in the late 1980s on the supremely obscure Portland label. Portland released a pirated VHS of the film in the UK, as well as subsequent VHS releases in Australia, New Zealand, and Spain. The Spanish release is dubbed into Spanish and is considered quite rare, as you would expect. Is is that bullshit? Not bullshit. Because it was all Commonwealth. Oh, damn it. Yep. So, despite the pirated VHS release outside of the U.S., Barry remained unaware that the film had received any sort of release until 2001. I believe When that. he discovered a forum post about the film by French film journalist Jean-Claude Michel on the website Scarlet Street. This led to interviews with Barry by Daniel Craddock, who had also written a review of the film and in turn author Stephen Thrower for his book Nightmare USA. As a result, the film received its first two official releases with a theatrical premiere at the San Francisco Indie Fest on February 15th, 2003, and a DVD from Cult Epics in the same year. For the DVD release, Barry added the new music to the ending and opening credits performed by Thrower's band Cyclobe, and uh, as he was never satisfied with the original music for the film composed by Mike McCoy. Now, I do all of this to get us through to what I ultimately want to get you with is the synopsis yeah, of the film please. and uh, de depiction of what's yes. happening. Get but I wanted to, to get you a little context. Uh, so, Barry's quote is, Deathbed came... <clears throat> Let me uh, assume... Yeah. Deathbed came from a dream, and to begin with, I wrote the story as more of a fairy tale than a horror film. We shot the story as possibly more horror film than fairy tale, and then, in the editing process, Deathbed tried to return to its fairy tale origins. I like how you give him the accent of somebody who's chewed tobacco for like 15,000 years and is missing half their lip. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. He good, strikes good, me good as a chewer. <laughs> yes, yes. So, here we are. The film is broken into four segments depicting the savage and deplorable acts of the demon's soul enshrined behind a fetching duvet. <laughs> each act is given a title card, labeling each as a daily meal. No. Yes. No, not they're, I they're shit Tarantino esque. <laughs> yes. So, first segment is breakfast. The film opens to a blank screen with only audio of someone 
or something noisily eating an apple. Oh. Is that OG, so, really? OG ASMR? Oh my goodness. Yes. Uh. It is. I'm not kidding. It is so hackneyed and ridiculous that I can't begin to describe. This is what, this is the sequence I want to show you all so that you can experience it with me. It? Uh, John mm. will, and I actually included in my notes, John will appreciate this glorious bit of ASMR. Uh, the title card of Breakfast is then flashed onto the screen and we proceed into an expository introduction of the bed from the imprisoned Aubrey Beardsley, an artist who indicates he's been trapped in a small cell for 60 years following his death. The bed is depicted as snoring. There is overdubbed sounds of the bed as yes. the camera pans around the bed itself. Oh, my goodness. Okay. But uh, at the sound of a a young couple trespassing into the building, the bed yawns and awakens. And this is very Disney-esque, like... Uh, the locks are depicted as telekinetically engaging to channel the couple into the giant cellar where the bed is contained. So as they're walking up to doors to pull on it, it shows the locks turning. They try to open the doors and they can't. And as they walk away, the lock turns back over. Awesome. It is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, the couple then discover the bed, uh, not the least bit dismayed at the fact that it is completely adorned with linens and sheets, despite the fact that it's in a completely abandoned and derelict fucking home. Like, the home is falling apart, and yet you have this giant four-poster bed that's got sheets and all of this drapery hanging around it, and like, oh, they're perfectly not put off. They're like, dope, bed to fuck on. Sounds legit. When, yeah. Hey, when you gotta go, you gotta go. And they proceed to attempt to make love on it. Uh, <laughs> now, naturally, the the guy's very gung ho, and the young woman is not. So they brought a bucket of chicken, a cadre of apples, and things that they're going to eat as their picnic lunch. No. Uh, yes. No. Oh my god. And so, as they <laughs> attempt to eat, then the girl admits that she's just nervous, and so they move the food off to the side on the bed and proceed to start f- fucking. So he, you know, is sucking greedily on her breasts <laughs> while all of a sudden the food melts into the bed with <laughs> disgusting eating noises, and then globs of bubbly acidic tallow are expelled from the mattress. So is this weird, like yellow? bubbly substance starts being exuded from the mattress it pulls down the couple's picnic lunch and begins to consume it uh the bed's eating is depicted by objects floating in a urine colored fluid which is presumably acid and slowly dissolving on screen so you watch these things as they start to wear and so it's a chicken leg Floating in piss that starts to have weird like little bites pulled out of it sounds like michael's kitchen I need to watch this. I'm shit. telling you, you're gonna love it. <laughs> on, on a side, so, so, like, please. So, when I was living uh, at my folks, uh, gosh, I, I moved back in with my folks two times, two or three times, doesn't matter. All right. One of the times in the room that I was staying, I had my bed pushed up right against a corner. You know, like, all right. Um, and I remember during that time, I was single and I was sneaking girls up after my parents went to bed bad idea and this and i was under i was under 21 at the time i think i think i was 20 i was gonna say how old were you 20 25 and um this girl that i was seeing she brought a huge bottle of moscato 
and we kind of would do what the deathbed did. Like, I, I can see the scene in my head because of how this right. girl and I operated. Like, there's a lip on the, like, a tiny, tiny place on the, the corner where you could, like, hide things. And that's where right. we'd be putting the Moscato and, like, the snacks or whatever while we'd, like, toss around. So, I I think I could have could have gotten attacked by a deathbed at one point. Like, I would have been, now, I would have fallen victim. How many times did your parents hear you fucking because you didn't think to pull the bed away from the wall before you did I'm it? I'm not claiming to be a really smart man, but I will say that okay. my parents are old. I'm the last uh, of their children, so I think they didn't care. Well, they cared if I, if okay. I would have been caught. caught. But at a certain point, you know the real game, and if you want to, they get, don't get disturbed. They don't. You want to get some TLDR roll or not TLDR? Fuck yeah, sure. Do some, it. Not give safe it for me. life shit real quick. Sure. Um, I was. Your mom asked to take part. <laughs> yeah, I actually invented the uh, stepmom porn. <laughs> well, nice. No. Oh, um, what are you doing, step bro? <laughs> I understand that reference now. Um, <laughs> so, so someone's watching Braddy Sis so this again, evening. I was, on I was twenty. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Always. Uh, so I was twenty, and I wasn't drinking, you know, obviously uh, that much. And I would go to Circle K or QT uh, all the time and get like the huge, huge like sixty-four ounce sodas, and they're okay. basically just littered the my nightstand. And right. I was paranoid because I, I did practice safe sex. I was very paranoid um, about... You came in the cup? Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I was very paranoid that if they were emptying my trash and I just willy-nilly threw a condom in there that I would give up the ghost. So I would throw my <laughs> oh, spent no. condoms into like partial <laughs> Circle K cups. <laughs> and very narrowly, I, it's ha- it almost happened two times when I was living living there that I almost drank uh, leftover <laughs> soda and cum. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time mm, that you salty. consumed your own, my friend. As yeah, you know, let's be honest. I just, I think I just brought that up to illustrate the fact that as men, we're pigs and we'll do fucking. Anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're Fair, the slobs yeah. that we're Reasonable. allowed to become. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy so anyway speaking of pissing beds because i got triggered <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's basically the same deal so subsequently the bed then begins to devour the couple as well the sound of an apple being bitten into continues to depict the bed's consumption of the human body uh, after the couple is consumed the title card of the film shows deathbed the bed that eats it's not a it's not a sexy sax like porno. No, if only it would be like I would cherish it more than I do currently. If it had a bad porn soundtrack, that would make me very happy. Yeah, just flee in the background. It does have a very not to. I don't want to be unpolitically correct here. They do have a very like black exploitation esque sort of like oh, okay. what you talk about honey chow character that shows up so later on here as well in every way yes it is a very cool. obvious sign of the times but uh mm. so after this the bed returns to dreaming and the artist who is as we'll recall forced to observe the bed's devastation through the ages describes the bed's history oh, god we are shown headlines flashing towards the screen, which illustrate the bed's devilish activities. First headline is, Thousands Disappear. Because the thousands, fuck? obviously, thousands <laughs> no, disappear. There is no way. No, no, that is true. Uh, second headline, Strange munching sounds heard in the night. 
Third, mayor <laughs> demands action. Fourth, mayor disappears. And finally, mass hysteria. <laughs> kind of sounds like if Ducey was, uh, <laughs> it, it's it's so eerily reminiscent of the current time and climate that i was scared oh my but, god but uh, yes i've really enjoyed <laughs> the, the first headlines just thousands disappear my like because who's keeping track like of this the rapture also why aren't you more like shocked or alarmed where you're like okay thousands of people disappeared let's not just throw up a headline by the way thousands disappear News at 11, I guess, probably, maybe, sure. Fuck uh, you, you'll watch and it. Also, <laughs> <laughs> and also. I would. And emblematic of the stupidity here, Beardsley then, it, on the overdub, mocks the bed for its stupidity, only to be telekinetically disincorporated by the enraged bed as it destroys most of the house. Okay. <laughs> but um, the bed does destroy the house. So it actually completely destroys the cellar that he exists in. Uh, a statue is depicted as weeping blood as the house crumbles. And then the artist is reincorporated through a hole into the oubliette, oozing through what appears to be a keyhole as a stream of pink plot- uh, protoplasm. There's a Michael moment for you. Drink. Uh, and then the artist is shown sitting in his cramped quarters again, none the worse for wear. Now I understand how you guys feel when I present a topic <laughs> because I, gr- my eyes glazed over. Mm-hmm. I, I went into a fog. I did not I actually saw that happen. Any I thought your that. camera freezed. I thought, I thought you, I thought you were having lag issues because like you just look slack jawed more so than usual. Yes, so yes, it, yeah. if you've seen Ghostbusters 2 where the, you know, the pink ooze is trying to reach out of the bathtub and grab Dana and the baby, it's kind of what this looks like. Uh, no, I had to think about it. I have not seen, I have not seen Oh two. my gracious. Okay, I give up. <laughs> not, not that I, re- if I have seen it, I was very drunk, which doesn't count. Michael, All right. so. when are you not drunk? In the morning when I wake up? <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. A couple of minutes when I wake up before I have my first shot. And by, by inquiring minds, I mean the human resources department at both your pizza job and the university. <laughs> we want to know. They don't exist. <laughs> they don't exist. So Beardsley. They don't exist because you drink them away. <laughs> I don't hear you any can't complaints. Tell me I'm fired. You're not telling you're me not what to do. You're, you're just, I'm teaching this class whether you want me to or you're not. You're just delicious cheese pizza on a board. You're not my boss. I want to eat you, you cheese I pizza. You, and I'm going to have you. <laughs> Shame. Wendigos, Wendigos and Winnebago's. Yes. So. Beardsley continues chiding the bed as though this is simply par for the course, and we're treated to the bed greedily consuming a fly as it awaits its next victim. It's really hungry. It thirsty has an unsatable appetite, my friend. Insatiable, even. So, we move on to lunch. (laughs) Three women, (laughs) Diane, which again is the the black title card with white font, right? Uh-huh. Like what, uh, please tell me it's common sans. I don't know what the bloody font is, my friend. Oh. 
Anywho, so on to lunch. Three women, Diane, Susan, and Sharon, whose name is only revealed at the end of the fucking film, which is very confusing if I'm Dang trying it, to write. Sharon. I was doing the synopsis as I was watching it, and the whole time I had to keep referring to her as nameless woman number three because it never tells you who any of these people are. You only get their names through context of them talking to each other of like, oh, calm down, Diane. For all you Night Vale fans I mean, out there, that's, that's appropriate. What else? How else would they introduce the characters with title cards or something? So you they know? have them driving up in a car, and they're all doing internal monologue as they're approaching the house, which is even more entertaining. But okay, so they discover the remains of the now destroyed house. We are given interior monologues from each of the women explaining their circumstances and how they're brought to be at the home. Beardsley attempts to speak to one of the women through the painting, realizing that the bed is reacting angrily. To her presence. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. The, Trouble in paradise. The youngest of the women, Susan, is ostracized by the other two, so she feigns illness to allow them to leave her in the room while they go have a picnic. Climbing into the bed, she sleeps, but the bed plagues her with disgusting nightmares. Uh, you'll, I'll let you watch this because I'm not going to go blow by blow. Otherwise, we will literally be here until two in the morning. But, uh, it's ghastly. It's ridiculous. Uh, well, uh, she, she's presented with a platter teeming with mush, caterpillars, and a fluttering moth. She is forced mm, to eat tasty. the caterpillar and then the bed undresses her, spewing up the bubbling tallow out of the mattress to consume the flowers that she brought with her first. How does it undress her? A- does it, it eat just, the clothes? The, the clothes just get ripped yes! off of her. Yes. Yes. <sighs> uh, so then it uses a cruciform necklace she is wearing to decapitate her. Oh. And subsequently devours her. So it does not just want to eat her. It wants to torture her. So it saws her head off with the necklace. Uh, the bed okay. is next depicted assimilating one of the lady's purses. Loosing a bottle of fucking Pepto-Bismol, which it is then shown consuming to abate the the symptoms of gastric distress it is apparently (laughs) experiencing due to the presence of the third as-yet-unnamed woman. And that actually happens. (laughs) Yes, that actually fucking happens. And we later find out, of course, this is Sharon. So finally, as Sharon Sharon nears... Uh, Why are you such a heartburn? Ozzy Osbourne cued here. Sharon! 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 So, uh, finally, Sharon needs to sell her against the bed rags by bleeding in fucking agony, man. It's fucking crazy. And I was like, Sharon! And then thank I you. I feel like I was pulled into an episode of the Osbournes there. I'll just read the, the rest of this as Ozzy Osbourne and see if you fuckers can <laughs> keep up. <laughs> so anyway, the next artist contemplates why Sharon would terrify the bed, man. It's fucking weird. So anyway, he reviews a cavalcade of previous victims of the bed, my favorite of which is a matronly woman shown were eating a lurid publication entitled Candid Press. I'm sorry, I'll stop. <laughs> that was actually really fucking good. <laughs> you don't understand, man. Like, it's 1972, your own fucking tour, man. And I ate this fucking bat's head, and all of a sudden I was in a fucking bed to try to me. It was fucking crazy. Do you think that Ozzy it's crazy have- fucking shit, man. God, no. He is, <laughs> Whoa. I'll tell you, he'll survive it. He and Keith Richards will both be fucking, yeah, smoking cigarettes. <laughs> Folk just cigarettes. He both be fucking alive, tell you what. I, I uh, can't transition out of the Aussie voice very easily. Apparently, it gets me a little tongue-tied. Yeah. Anywho. All right. 
So the artist next contemplates why Sharon would terrify the bed. He reviews a cavalcade of previous victims of the bed. I assure you there's like 12. It's fucking nuts. Uh, my favorite of which is a matronly old woman shown reading a lurid publication entitled Candid Press with the headlines Oral Lesbians, Big Butts, Bazooms, and that's B apostrophe Zooms, <laughs> Cracks, and cracks is spelled C-R-A-X. Okay, I, I, I believed everything except for the last one. Uh, the those cracks. are all true. The thing true. is, I feel no. really seen because that's my Pornhub search history. <laughs> <laughs> Big butts, <laughs> bazooms, <laughs> cracks. I'm a cracks addict. I just want to search what the <laughs> hey, You know what? Hold oh, on. It's really important. Michael, go on Pornhub and no. type in C-R-A-X. I'm, I'm, I'm already I'm already, I'm already of you. What do you see there? In fact, just whatever the... Okay, give me a second. It's got to it's got to boot up here, but I, I, uh, I will go. Continue I, talking. No, I'll I thought it you. was a character from the Coheed and Cambria saga. Cracks. <laughs> I am cracks. I am bazooms. <laughs> All right, so then the film cuts to a copy of Henry Miller's Tropic of Cancer <laughs> then being consumed as an effigy of the perverse woman. Fuck me. Okay, so uh, this all, of course, all these little vignettes culminate in the story of the artist himself, who was apparently dying of consumption on the bed when he elected to immortalize his deathbed with a painting. He then contemplates aloud whether the bed didn't wish to consume him due to the fact that he was plague-ridden or whether it was simply lonely and longed for and companionship. Tuberculosis? What? Okay. I yes, I believe so. Yeah, the consumption is TB. Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Um so uh <laughs> I looked up bazooms and uh the main search result uh comes back Cardi okay. B. That makes oh. sense. Yes, yes, yes. I- including the uncensored uh version of <laughs> W-A-P. There's some holes in this house. There's some holes in this house. that out loud. WAP. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Not what she says in the music video, mind you, but how you would read it is WAP. All right. So, finally, the artist realizes that the bed reacts with pain to the unnamed woman, Sharon, <laughs> because her eyes resemble... Sure. Because her <laughs> eyes resemble that of its mother. What? <laughs> Which is AKA oh, the woman that the, the, the bed was supposed to be, you know, created to let her be fucked on. Oh my god. Oh, that turns into some Oedipal yes. uh, shit going on it's right there. The, try and slur through that again. Uh, that is uh, so Oedipal shit. The uh, Oedipal cannibal bed. <laughs> the Oedipal cannibal bed. Anywho, that. I like that. Uh, yeah. The that's, artist that's then the recounts my meticulously mentioned tale of the demon who was born from a tree and turned into flatulence and then possessed this. Yeah. Anywho. This is still on lunch, right? Yes. We are not to dinner yet. Wow, what a busy lunch. Uh-huh. Elsewhere, Sharon's brother is sent out looking for her by her mother. And we're not told this is Sharon's brother. It's just, your sister's gone crazy and ran off again. You gotta go find her. Sharon! And so this guy just goes off. So you have no idea why they're connected at all. Anywho, the narrative is just ghastly. But uh Diane ultimately sends Sharon out in their car for help. Because they come back and they can't find Susan. Uh, and then she retires to the cellar to wait to see if Susan will return. And now we flash to dinner. While waiting, Diane, of course, sleeps on the bed. 
she has a dream wherein she speaks to Susan by the fireplace. Yes, there is a fireplace in this giant cellar that just contains nothing but the bed, a fireplace, and a painting, which is perfectly awesome. Pretty roomy, I would say. Yes, yes. You know, it's it's modern, chic, if you will. Yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. very. So uh, Susan indicates that she is, quote unquote, reading a book of dead people. Foreshadow? Uh, I guess. Apparently. No. Is that bullshit? No. Lore implications? Not bullshit. Mm. So, soon after Diane wakes, and the bed begins to eat her. She is able to flee from atop the bed, pulling herself out by one of the bedposts, only to have the bed ensnare her in sheets and drag her back onto the bed to be eaten. I have to see that. She makes it 20 feet away from the bed, is crawling upstairs to get out of the cellar, and then it shoots out, sheets at her, wraps her up, and pulls her back. It's kind of like how I imagine they did the practical effects of dragging that bitch back into the bedroom in Paranormal Activity. Sure. (laughs) You don't remember that? (laughs) Yes, I'm teasing. Uh, So... Actually, no, it's Paranormal Activity 2. She didn't, she's dragged okay, all Okay, I was right. going to say, I don't recall that at all. I've seen the first one. haven't seen any uh, after they all, that. They all so. bleed together after a while, my friend. It's all the same movie. Yeah, fair enough. Anywho, uh, the unnamed woman, Sharon, who had to Sharon? walk back to the property <laughs> after you. her. She had to walk back to the property after the car broke down. <laughs> unsuccessfully attempts to save Diane <laughs> as she's crawling away from the bed. So she's playing a tug of war with the bed. Uh, at this point, Sharon's brother locates her, and having seen their broken down car on the side of the road, and then he attempts to save Diane, and the bed traps both of them in the cellar. A disembodied eyeball is produced by the bed, it rolls onto the floor, turns to look up at them, and then disappears into thin air. The- As you want to do. Yes. No, is that bullshit? Not bullshit. What the fuck? I know. So, um, <laughs> As uh, as the brother attempts to devise a way to rescue Diane by stabbing the bed with a giant knife that they brought, which is conveniently located in their picnic basket. Uh, as you do. Yes. That, I mean, huh. I bring a giant knife to my picnic. Naturally. It looks like know, a bread knife so. in their defense. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean it is. So, uh, only to have his hands dissolved down to bone by the bed. So he's reaching into, he's stabbing it with the knife. The bed grabs his hands and sucks all of the meat off of them. So he's just holding up these two skeletal hands. This, oddly enough, does not send him into shock at all. And he just placidly comments on the state of his hands as they dissolve down like, to oh, the cartilage. That's fucking weird. Yeah. He's, he's hey, like, can you give me a hand, sis? He's like, I can't even feel this. This is really <laughs> sad, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then he asks, How am I supposed to fist you now? <laughs> oh, bratty sis. Uh, so he asks Sharon to pull his hands off rather than watch the bones fall apart one by one. So she rips yeah, his hands off. Just as this occurs, the demon, now existing in the form of a jackrabbit, huh? slumbers. I mean, whenever I think of beds, I think of jackrabbits. Yes. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So yes. it, it just shows a rabbit laying down and falling asleep, which removes all power from the bed, freeing Beardsley from his chamber behind the painting. So the artist is able to emerge because the bed's asleep. And we get to our final chapter, Just Desserts. No. Yes, that is the heading. Uh, the artist, now freed from his prison, awakens Sharon and describes a ritual to her that will destroy the bed. First, 
he has Sharon remove her brother from the cellar, which she does. And I shit you not. I will take this out of the running because it's so hilarious. She just leads him to a hill. He's not uh, he's not deficient. He just doesn't have hands. She walks him over to a hill and he, he kind of stumbles and she just pushes him down the hill. <laughs> Get out! So he just rolls down this hill and falls down. She doesn't check on him. She doesn't do anything. She just walks by him. <sighs> yeah, you're you're fine. I'll, I'll be back. She's like, you're not you're walking off. Fucking waste of life. So anyway, then she's instructed to build a circle of wood and then carve a circle of blood into the wood flooring, which the bed has been rooted to in the cellar. And, and the bed begins to cry out the entire time as she's cutting into it. It's like, <laughs> like she, like Ozzy Osbourne. Then. <laughs> oh, son! Oh. You fucking stop cutting me already. <laughs> so to join the circles, the one in blood in the cellar and the one outside made of wood, Sharon is then instructed to use the bones from her brother's hand and hair from Susan which she just somehow conjures out of midair. They don't show where she got the hair from. She just has a handful of Susan's hair. Uh, this then connects the two circles, allowing the bed to be transported outside of the cellar and into the exterior circle of wood. Everybody with me right now? No? No. Yeah, it's as fucking convoluted yeah. as you would expect. I, I rewatched this three times as he's explaining it to try to write this down because it – it's laughable. Um, so Sharon carries out the ritual, which then teleports the bed out of the room and subsequently revives the bed's real mother <laughs> by transferring Sharon's life force out of her and into the dead body. So killing Sharon. A little swaparoo. Yeah. And reviving the, the woman who shares eyes with her. So wife swap. Okay. Basically. Okay, yeah. uh, the bed then completes the ritual. By having sex with Sharon's brother. <laughs> no. The guy who has no hands? Yeah. Oh, I should say the bed's mother. I'm sorry. I missed the word there. So oh, the, okay. I was about to yeah, be like, the bed no, that's fucked bullshit. Him. He, was, he was down a hill. He, he's out of the play for now. Got that hard yeah. But okay. no, yes. The, the bed okay. actually, the bed's mother then walks onto screen nude, picks up the guy with no hands, puts him on the bed, batters his brains out with her, her wap. And then, <laughs> as they are coupling, the bed then spontaneously bursts into flames and kills all of them. The bed's destruction, as we find out through the voiceover monologue, also finally allows the artist to pass on into the next life. And oh, that, gentlemen, sweet. is the entirety, the breadth oh, and I... depth of Deathbed, the bed that eats. I feel like a, a changed man. I, I need to go back to my psychologist because I, I I need therapy. Your psychologist, my psychologist. Yeah. I I used to go to a psychologist. Man, it's fucking crazy. It was 1974, and I just got finished banging the fuck out of this woman who's the mother of this asshole named Michael. And I found him, and it was the weirdest thing. Uh, excuse me, she would be 11. So yeah, if so you I would kind of like- <laughs> It is proven. Uh, so for the love of Quab, what were the four that we missed? All right. Um, I'm, I got no stabs. I have a yeah, feeling um, you're going to be a little upset at me. But uh, firstly, uh, Mr. Barry used $10,000 of his own money, not $15,000 initially. Oh. I, I did a cheapie. 
fine. But it did, you were on the scent for it costing $30,000, you know, but it, yeah, so he only put up 10 grand initially. Uh, I know the, the rest of this is so bizarre. Like it's, uh, as you've seen by my saying, uh, you know, we tried. You convert the artist into protoplasm and squeeze him through a wall. Uh, the headline mass hysteria from the uh, various newspapers is not real. All the rest of them are <laughs> mass hysteria does not appear. For the Ghostbusters okay. aficionados amongst you, that was my pull. Uh, I wanted to get back into okay. movie references. So John did get that uh, the artist was not telekinetically disincorporated, but no one said shit when I said he got reincorporated through the wall into the oubliette, uh, oozing out <laughs> as a stream of protoplasm. It sounded bullshit. I just, I think I was just too excited that I got something. It was right after it. So is it, yeah, that's a lie also, because it's technically, if he wasn't disincorporated, he wouldn't have been reincorporated. So that is the secondary one there. And finally... The demon did not appear in the form of a jackrabbit for the Patton Oswalt fans amongst you that uh, the demon was still they just cut to a shot of a tree because <laughs> you can find a tree anywhere and shoot it. And that's the, there's like the okay. demons falling asleep. So they have a tree and then they show a pair of eyes just closing on screen. <laughs> no fucking way. Yes, they just. Uh, cut, yeah, bastards. it's it's ridiculous. But uh, so that. Friends and neighbors uh, will complete my run of lies for this episode. The rest now, of that shit is real. Gracious. Are you gonna? Are we gonna watch the the YouTube bit? Well, absolutely, I have it right here. Uh, I just didn't know how much of this you uh, you gents wanted to uh, to get into. I want. I think see... we can definitely do the ASMR without audio uh, without visual yes. because we can definitely include that in the actual episode. All right. So, well, yeah, as and of... then I. Oh, go ahead. No, please. I, I'm throwing into our chat right now the YouTube hyperlink to bring I'm us all. I'm clicking that. Boop. I and also so am uh, copying and pasting something to our chat right now as well because cool. I remember that I have something to cache from last week. I was telling you guys about Uh-oh. a short horror film. Oh, yes. And yes. I found it right while we were, while you're presenting. It's two and a half minutes long, and I think we should watch it to end the episode. So for so. all of you uh, who are going to be listening to this first run on the episode here, this link is still active, and this movie still pops up, for at least for Deathbed. So you can watch this free for nothing on YouTube right now and join us in the fun and frivolity. Uh, and so... <laughs> it's in, in the notes, right? <laughs> Wait, yes. before before we start this, can I just read the top-rated um, comment Please. on this? Okay. I don't think, even at the slobbiest po- low point of my life, and it was slobby, did I ever bring chicken and apples to bed? <laughs> <laughs> that was... That was the highest rated comment yep. with nine thumbs up. Okay. That's so good. Well, John, so we just, uh, we just you've, been, you've been added. Uh, so, yes, we'll give everybody a quick <laughs> countdown just to get everybody uh, prepared for what's going to happen. If you want to watch at home, just to, to follow along, we're going to start the video now. And, gentlemen, you can sync up with me in three, two. Uh, Michael, are you not ready? No, I'm ready. Okay. Son of a bitch. You get to edit now. Congratulations. So, you're going to click the link, uh, not click the link, you're going to start and hit play in three, two, one, play. All right. So, as of right now, you will hear the good old apple. Oh, wow. Why? 
That is so ASMR. It's not even loud. It's also it's picking up through my microphone, I think, because I'm, it's coming through my external sp- er, speaker as opposed to my headphones. So sorry oh, about no. that. But yeah. It's still going. It's 30 seconds How long? In. Yeah, why is this lasting so long? Like, it's I understand only an hour eating 17. something. Uh-huh. Dude, this, I'm not kidding. They want to make a meal of this. Oh, no pun on. intended. Just fucking get to the goddamn point. Please tell me this is like at least like 30 Guys, minutes to just five yeah, seconds two, in. Two minutes. Still. Oh, here we go. Here's some shitty music to kind of uh-huh. it to. It's marvelous. And honestly, mm, it's kind of good that it's getting picked up in your mic a little bit. Okay, I think good. It, oh, ah! Yeah, and breakfast. It looks like an American Horror Story font. Uh-huh. And the house. Oh, yeah, this is definitely set in the, in the, in the 70s. Very, yes, very yes, much yes, so, yes. like an Amityville horror-looking setup. I'm going to... But yeah. with American Horror Story script that, that came on. I'm reducing my volume just so I'm not, you know, fighting everything and that Michael oh. doesn't have to you know devastatingly deal with this as we go forward but yes now we've got our, our cozy little fireplace and the artist giving us his brief introduction but yes it's like okay so there's brick walls and this giant cellar and then this glorious four poster bed what the fuck this i can is, see that's an inordinate bed that is fancy Hornet? <laughs> and that's one of them that they're ordinate beds, you know, I'll one of them fancy about. ones where you gotta sleep in the, the sleep number Shane. beds. I'll tell you what, man, you set your own number, man, all all that comfort, number man, it goes 69. right to you. Mm-hmm. Um, Shut the fuck up, Michael. Okay, the artist is so the artist is giving us a little, uh, you know, follow up here as to his own story. Oh, he looks like he's crying. Oh, what a poor little baby. He's oh, had a rough like go, Riddle. man. He's actually oh, David Gilmore of so... Pink Floyd fame. Uh, and, of course, we've Wait, got the so cozy how couple. how much are we watching of this? We can stop whenever I, I... you want, because essentially, okay. that's, I just wanted to give you a brief okay. introduction. Okay. So let's well, pause, yeah. and we can, yeah, let's you can yeah. watch okay. this on okay. your own. 220. Yeah, right, cool. I, I think I definitely will. It's like fucking hot garbage. Dude, you're going to um, love this movie. Oh, I will, I will watch the fuck out of this. Yes. So yeah, do you guys want to... I'm already sold. I'm going to watch it probably tonight. I'll force my girlfriend to watch it. I don't care. You'll enjoy it. And it's only Dude. an hour and 17, so it's an easy yeah. digestible. She probably won't. <laughs> Pun intended. John, I feel like you were saying? Oh, I said I was going to say that I feel like those kind of things are digestible with anybody that you watch it with as long as you give them. It's what I've been giving to Becky as well, like the preamble of like, you, we can make fun of this in real time. I'm not watching this in earnest. Like, yes. please make fun of this with me. Mystery Science Theater this with me, yes. Ooh. But, oh, man. Do you guys want to watch uh, two and a half minutes? Uh, uh, kind of narrate what's going on. Can we do that off air? Well, I was thinking um, John's initial uh, what we were positing last week, if I recall, was we were going to do this for the after dark. Oh, my bad. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, that'll be a lot easier because then someone can share their screen and everyone can enjoy okay, upon it. Okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> In which case, uh, Shane, do you want to plug that or do you want me to plug that? I don't care. Well, as long as you include when it airs, John, I'm perfectly fine. Okay. The correct time and the time zone. Well, if you yes. want to see us react to a short horror film, we have a secondary show called Disinformed After Dark. It is every Friday, 10 a.m. Shane, what is that? Mountain time. Indeed. Um, and while we wait for our files to compress from these episodes proper that we're recording now, uh, we dive into Chuck Klosterman's hypotheticals and also just spout some nonsense here and there. So if you are not tired of hearing our voices yet and would also like to see our ugly faces, <laughs> now you know where to go. 
I don't. And I see if my... I'm not mistaken, we're also going to be kicking off, or we're doing a, a we're doing the pilot test tonight, aren't we? Yeah. For uh... as far as I'm aware, yes. Yes, but they're not going to you know encounter that at all for a while. No. Nope. <laughs> but we'll we can tease it and say that there we are can. prayers and miracles coming your way soon. Yes. Ah, uh, miracles. One of the greatest Greek heroes. <laughs> Every wedding day, we will give you the you know tears of miracles. On the tubes of you. Yes. And we don't know when that's airing yet, because that's to be... It's it's TBD. Yeah, we're going to mm, work it out. The best date. Also, uh, Shane, you doing Deathbed and describing the synopsis, I wrote the note. And that's why I write notes now. Uh-huh. Um, I want to be in charge of the episode that airs the day before Thanksgiving. Pourquoi? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm calling dibs. <laughs> Are, are, is it because of like a, a horror movie or yep. something like that? Is it is this Thanks Killing? Yep. I have not seen that, but I will refrain from seeing it. So you Shane, can give have a, you seen Thanks I Killing? I have not seen Thanks Killing. Uh, can I, have, I do an episode? It'll do. It'll give me the turkey trots. I think. Can I do oh, the Can I do, do the subno- or synopsis of Thanks Killing? For, you certainly for can. Our Thanksgiving By episode. All means. Uh, I will right, also yes. request that the the two of you watch the unveiling of the gobbledygooker with me. Then yes, I don't think we're allowed to watch that in this state. Uh, you should be. Uh, well, if you do, you're going to clean it up. I don't want to. It's Gory Guerrero, man. It's fine. Okay. Well, yeah. Keep that note, and we can do that on the after dark. So it come out. You know. Yeah. Anyway, that, that's that's very future planning. Um, lastly, for me, on a on the spoopy note, mm. Dead by uh. Dead by Daylight has a has a Halloween event going on, <gasps> uh, and it's awesome to have like like pumpkins and whatever like on top of generators as you repair them. But I've been sharing with you guys the hate mail that I get because yes. I'm playing late at night now. So I have realized that if you play Dead by Daylight, and I, I'm sure it goes for any competitive online game. After one, I think the most vicious, after 2 a.m. on, I never get messages from people when I play online, ever. And I almost exclusively now get hate mail uh, when I play after 2 a.m. I had someone call me a... Uh, a, uh, a bundle <laughs> of twigs. Thanks for censoring yourself there. You're welcome. That's, that's easier yeah, for me to I got a message hit. after a match last night that said, you play like a... <laughs> a hermit. And... <laughs> And I said, yeah, you play like someone who's bad at this game. <laughs> and they never responded. Nope. So if you're out there somewhere, I hope you get HIV. Uh- <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> John is, uh, he's making a, he's taking a run at the throne, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. He wants to depose me as the incendiary Ooh-wee. man on this episode here. Uh, I'm just kidding. Dad, um, tell you Let what. me go ahead and put the Shane filter on there. It's jokes. I don't mean it. It's but all if you got injured. If you got injured or hit. Uh, in traffic? I'm just saying, if you were to be sodomized by a rusty fishing knife at some point in your life, like, you deserve it. That's, that's Let it. Let me say, I don't understand sending people, like, hateful, hateful shit. Yeah. Uh, like, to strangers. Like, I've sent messages like, hey, that was a really shitty thing that you did on that match. But I never go to the, the length of, like, hey, you should go kill yourself. Like, I, I, like, I, Sometimes I want to, but that's like the anger sharks in my brain. But you don't say that to people. Well, you know, so that's it, it, the the dead by daylight retort for that is like, yeah, because you couldn't kill me, you hapless <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, kill like me yourself, you coward. You 
<laughs> yeah. Also, Asher, you're never going to listen to this, but my condolences on making it another year. Yes. We're all shedding bloody tears for and you, my Michael, friend. Speaking of accidentally making it another year, um, by the time this airs, you will be uh, one dead. <laughs> Here's hoping. Um, no, happy, happy birthmas, you silly, silly fuck. John, were you just doing like a Father John Misty? <laughs> no, no, yeah. the happy birthmas, you silly fuck. And I feel like that's his third album. It could be. It could be. It's more like a Shaneism, actually. Yes, it's pretty damn close. I think apostrophe or comma, you silly fuck, is very much a Shane ending to anything. Yes, without question. Uh, I And for... Uh, Most certainly. We'll hearken back to my glorious uh, birthday wish for Asher is I hope that his uh, his birthday this year ended the same way his first birthday did, which left him naked, screaming, and covered in amniotic fluid. Yup. A good boo, wish. Boo, 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 boo. Well, I think that is going to wrap this up in a glorious umbilical cord and choke it to death as though this were the director's cut of the butterfly effect uh, for the disinformed <laughs> podcast. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We hope that you all retire comfortably on your own individual deathbeds tonight. I know Asher is <laughs> going to be trying to find every bloody seller in the state of Arizona <laughs> so that he can finally get caught up in the deathbed. Take Give me, me. release. Anything that uh, we want to impart to our, our friends, listeners, and neighbors, other than the fact that if they've enjoyed this and continue to do so, that they can find us on their preferred social networking platforms and uh, snag us weekly. If you don't already, please subscribe to this podcast. We would love to have you here every single week yeah. with us as we go into the, the depths of nonsense heretofore unrivaled in the realms of civilized society. Yeah, I would like to to add and finish that, like on the on on the topic of things wearing masks because it's the Halloween season. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Birds aren't real; they yes. are just drones wearing very fancy masks. And also, marine life—you might want to look into those as well. Um, just something to look at. You're always being watched. Always being just, watched. Just like the idea of John being a responsible adult. Birds are lies. So just you know, bear that in mind. Well, if yeah, you are vote, everything I wanted, vote. Can we say vote. that? Veto. Uh, yeah, I, fucking I was going to say that too. Yeah, yeah, please. Please do your civic duty. I just uh, I dropped my ballots in the uh, the mailbox last night. So, I I I'm, today. Yep. Stickered. I need to get my girlfriend to fill out her ballot so I can, you know, how make sure both of those get so submitted. So, she's she knows how to to read and write, right? Uh, that's, that's the Debatable. obstacle that I'm tripping okay. over cool. right well, now. Well, get yes, to yes, work, yes, son. Yes. Unless it's not good news, in which case then don't teach her how to read or write and let's just, you know. I mean, it's good. I mean, like, she knows her ABCs. She can sing them. But, like, you know, after that, it's, uh, it's kind of a crap. So what grammar so. school did you pull her out of? Um, I none. One. I felt, I felt. She was a nun? <laughs> you pulled her out of a convent, yes. you sick fuck? Hey, I like him. Um, innocent. I, I All right, know. we're giving the we're giving and up the ghost. I, so, it, please uh, kill him. See ya. 
if you're looking for a girlfriend that is not pulled out of a school somewhere uh, and you're on Facebook, perhaps, you can find us there at facebook.com slash disinformedpodcast. If you're uh, like John and uh, looking for some visual forays while you shitterbait, you can find us on Instagram mm-hmm. at disinformedpodcast. And if you are ranting and raving about the poor state of the you know American discourse surrounding the democratic process, perhaps, you can find us on Twitter at disinformed pod but i believe that's going to end everything for this week's staggering installment and uh, we're going to put yeah, this baby to bed oof. as shane, it were shane next week you and i will be in, in hopefully uh, in the same room for this presumably as okay. long as i'm you Sorry, know i just I, me with a good time I, I just got a little uh, i just realized that because i was looking mm-hmm. at it i was like oh my god I'm gonna. That'll be so much fun. Now, so, will your anyway. bandwidth handle it? Is the question. <laughs> oh, I'll handle it, rookie. Yeah. Oof. Well, we're, here's hoping. So. <coughs> no, that comes later. <laughs> COVID. <laughs> That's for next week. Uh, I was gonna say, uh, forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. <laughs> for the Disinformed Podcast, I'm Shane. I'm John. And I'm Michael. And if the COVID don't get you, this podcast will. So long and good night. So long and good night. <laughs> Dying. Sharon! <laughs> anyway, it was 1947, man. I was born. I love the fucking Beatles. This is crazy. Sharon! It's a Beatle. It's a Beatle. It's a Beatle. I can feel it. It's a Beatle. It's a Beatle? Michael, give me a fucking fade out, please.